You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode of Pizza Quest is brought to you by Central Milling, hand-selected grain, expertly milled for passionate bakers. Central Milling is the farmer, the miller, and the baker working together to preserve American farmland for tomorrow while providing the highest quality flour and grains for the bakers of today. Dating back over 150 years, Central Milling is built on generations of knowledge, and they know that premium flour starts at the source. Employee-owned, Central Milling works directly with their farmers to sustainably grow grains that have exceptional flavor, nutrient content, color, and baking performance, which results in one of the largest selections of premium specialty flour and grains in the country. Hand-selected for the highest baking qualities, milled, cracked, or blended slowly to minimize heat generation, then bake-tested for performance. Learn more about Central Milling and their products at centralmilling.com. Fire Within is the only company that offers a complete turnkey mobile pizza business model. Professional education, purposefully designed trailers, and the finest selection of commercial-grade wood-fired pizza ovens. Offering intensive courses on wood-fired pizza through Wood-Fired University and personalized designs to capture your business's identity, Fire Within provides community, professional support, and comprehensive education. Fire Within also offers an award-winning publication dissecting franchises and franchising models and business plans, hands-on intensive training to get your business up to speed as quickly as possible, and the perfect trailer or truck based on your specific business model. Fire Within's goal is to inspire a new generation of pizzaioli across the United States. Learn more at firewithin.com. I'm Peter Reinhardt, and welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm coming to you once again from the International Pizza Expo in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm sitting here with Jonathan Goldsmith. You're going to hear a lot of noise behind us because we're surrounded by thousands of people that are eating pizza and trying to find everything they can about it. But Jonathan Goldsmith, uh, who some of you know from, if you're from the Chicago area, probably eaten at his famous pizzeria, Spacca, Na- Spacca Napoli. Spacca Napoli. Na- if I'm, not, I'm saying it, Spacca Napoli. Spacca Got to get the pronunciation. And, jo- but, and Jonathan, you're, we, you've been on Pizza Quest before, um, but for those who haven't heard, tell us a little bit about how Spacca Napoli came up, because you're, you're not Napolitano yourself, you know, no. you're, you're, you're an American Jewish kid like me, right? <laughs> I, I always say sangue russo, pieri americani, ma cuore italiano. Which means? So, which means... Uh, Russian blood, American feet, but Italian hearts. Uh, beautiful. And it is that's the Italian heart that really comes through you. Absolutely. Something about Italy speaks to you and spoke to you, and, and, and you express it here. So what, how did tell, in, in the, the short version of your journey, how, how, how you got into creating a pizzeria? Okay. The short version, my wife is a painter. We were in Florence 30 years ago. Uh, we were there for four years. My wife was painting in an atelier. I was a house husband. <laughs> Our daughter was 18 months, so I had a beautiful rhythm of getting my daughter up, uh, dropping off at school after picking up a focaccia or, or panino. How old Br- is she now? She's now 36. Oh my gosh. So she was 18 months <laughs> oh when we started. Just... She actually was our passport to goodwill. 
We lived in the same apartment in Florence. We were truly part of the community. We returned every summer, after every summer, where we had been in the Gargano and Rodi Garganico, and we were part of a community there. And so those four years, when my wife was painting and I was caring for our daughter, really provided the foundation for our love relationship with Italy. Yeah. Many years later, we returned in 91, and after a couple of years, we would continue to return for the summers to the Gargano, as well as visiting friends in Florence. And sure enough, on one plane ride, about 93 or so, uh, there was an article in a newspaper on the plane. My wife shows it to me. We're cooking at our cafe for the homeless where I were both volunteers from day one. And I show it to this young man who turns out to be from Naples. And he asks if I'm a chef. And I said, I'm not a chef, but I do Sunday breakfast for the homeless. <laughs> and out of the blue, he says to me, I should do a pizzeria, flour, water, salt, and yeast, I'll make a lot of money. Wow. And at that moment, I was really at a point of figuring out what I was going to do next. I was, was maybe was about like 48. He was like an visitor to you. He was my guardian angel, wow. Clarence. Yes. And, and so sure enough, we arrived in the Gargano, and I started asking people about pizza. And I, I knew everybody because I worked the beach. And they said, go west, young man. Go from the Adriatic to the Mediterranean. Yeah. And that really was the beginning of it. And so did, where did you learn the craft then? And, Pardon like, me? Where did you end up, you know, like refining your craft? Well, uh, the, the beginning process, the beginning part of my hopefully lifelong learning process was with Angel Cozza of La Notizia. Uh, and Vomodo above Napoli, the Centro Storico. And I learned of Enzo because one of the families whose umbrellas I would open in the morning, when they learned of my interest, beginning interest in pizza, one, they said, we, we're in from Naples and our Fornaio of our favorite pizzeria in Posilipo, uh, Il Pruneto, Alessandro Carfasso, that he taught alongside somebody very important in Naples, and that was Enzo Cocha. So sure enough, I took the car, I drove to Naples, which is about four hours away, wow. and I uh, met Enzo, and then sure enough, uh, three months later, I was in Naples, and the beginning of 10 months spread out over 18 months being in Naples, and so, so that just, was the beginning foundation. Did you work uh, with him as a, like do a stage with him? Or, I, or I, basically, out? I did a three-week session with him, but I kept. I spent ten months there, so luckily I, sp I split my time between Enzo. Yeah. If I was with him during the day, I was at Di Matteo. Di Matteo. In, the yeah. in, in the evening, and vice versa. And then over the years, I because I kept on coming back, then I developed relationship with uh, Antonio Sarita, early years Trianon, uh, and later years Attilio Baguette, Franco Pepe. These so like, lifelong. The the, the 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 highest superstars of the pizza Absolutely. world. Absolutely. And one of the things that's been wonderful for us uh, is I truly believe, and one of uh, Enzo's uh, colleagues once said to me. You know, you Americans come with your money, you study for a month, <laughs> yeah. and you go home with your other money, you build a pizzeria, yeah. and you think you're pizza maker. Yeah, right. And he said, you're absolutely not. And I, and I was truly, and I'm in agreement with him, because if I look at my pizzas that were okay, yeah. maybe when we first began, how we've evolved 20 years later, it's a lifelong process. Aside from just the, the very act of being there and the repetition, what, what are some of the, the key takeaways, the things that you learned 
from from any of them that have made a difference for you? Well, something new uh, in the last few years from John Arena is measure my water. <laughs> you know, they don't this, do that over there. <laughs> no, it's sightlined, sightlined. But actually, no. I love. It's just a, and then it's a sixth sense. Yeah, yeah. And so they can get away with doing a mix, and as it's mixing, then they can adjust. But so they've been it. doing it all their life, and they Correct. have the feel. Correct. But if you don't have the feel now, adding this is something Americans have brought back to the you know to the international right. stages. And we learned it from the French and the Europeans, and the, you know. So, so we, you know, over the more recent years, to really appreciate the science of baking, uh, but time and temperature. But I think from the beginning, and I think one of my strengths is just dough management. Dough management, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like tracking the timing and absolutely. Like we may have three, di three or four different mixes, and as a Mad Hatter in the morning, when I go in. I check the first round that it's upstairs. I check the round first made the day before, 24 hours before in the wine room. We may have dough in, in the fridge left over. And I may go from those three principal uh, doughs to figure out how to stage. I may take a little bit of each, take it out, and allow the others to uh, enjoy the time and temperature. So once again, the feel for the dough is something that you had to acquire Correct. through being with some of Correct. these masters. And now you can intuitively do it. Correct. And luckily, uh, I've, I've always believed that you have one principal dough maker alongside of you. And so now I spend more time away from the pizzeria. Often I hear they didn't even know I was away. So, <laughs> so, you're, so you're, you've done the right thing. You've made yourself almost obsolete. Absolutely. You know, that's, absolutely. That's kind of should be always on the top of everyone's to-do list is make myself obsolete. Right. So that you can eventually have a life right. <laughs> outside of the pizzeria. Right. Or in the pizzeria, but doing yeah. more of the visionary things, looking yeah. at recipes. And I know that one of the things that you prize and value so much is being able to get away and go back to Italy, make your pilgrimages, go back and kind of, what's the word, plug into the, the mother house of, sure. of your inspiration. Sure. So sure. how often do you do that and what do you do when you go over? I, we're Right now, at this point, I have at least two trips a year to Italy. I'll be going uh, the May 2nd. I'll be there for six weeks, eight weeks. And then, uh, and that will be more to eat lots of fish, visit friends, <laughs> go down to the Cilento Ischia. But in the fall, which is really a very special moment, one of the families now I've known 20 years, met them in 2003, at the same time, I met our cheesemaker Mimo La Vecchia wow. uh, in the area near uh, Franco Pepe and and You mean the Cayasso. cheese that you use at Spaca comes from him? Yes. Wow. Yes. Gosh. So uh, in the fall, I dedicate, I try to dedicate almost two months where I'm there for the, uh, the for the the wine harvest, and there may be a pause, and then I'll follow with them for the the olives. And there's always a moment to learn something. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're, again, you're living the life when you're over there. You're getting to actually, you know, immerse yourself in uh, in the natural processes. When uh, Forcella is a tough place and in the center of Naples, and I remember as a kid, when I, or as a young adult, returning to Washington University in St. Louis, and I'd enter the quad. I would just uh, there was an inner sense of joy and a breath of fresh air. When I enter into Forcella. And I get off the train if I'm just walking to the to our uh, where I would stay in the Centro Storico, and and traversing these wonderful communities, I just feel so much a joy and so much at home. It really has become another home for us there. Yeah, it, yeah well, and you can see it. even every time you even 
you know, mention it, the light in your eye and the, 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 the love just kind of, kind of, you know, oozes out. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's amazing to me that you can get away, you can be away that long and feel confident that the place is going to run, that customers aren't going to feel that it's not as good when you're not here. Yeah. And, and that, that speaks to, well, you've been, you've been open now for quite a number of years, we're but you've now, trained. A, we're a now in, the idea came 20 years ago, 2003. Uh, we opened Valentine's Day 2006, so we just entered our we just entered our 18th year. And I came by. I, that, I think in your first year, I came for the first time, and, and I'm sure. And I've been back at least once since, but I, uh, it's been a while since I've been in Chicago. So I'm sure that each time I would come back, I would be seeing as, as, again some of the growth, some of the influence of the, what you bring back from your trips, from your frequent trips over. Yes, uh, but another part I think is really just the community itself. And one, I think one of the greatest things, and I thank our daughter for that, as I said before, a passport to goodwill. And there's, uh, you'll find it small towns anywhere in, in the world, uh, I think, and there's just a joy of community. And the idea of the terzo posto, the place between home and work. And I think that over time, the, the staff that we have, whether it's on the front of the floor, I have wait staff who've been with me 15 years. I think the average length of time behind the pizza bank is 12 or 13 years. Incredible. So uh, when people come in, they're not only looking for me, they're maybe looking for some favorite people uh -huh. that they've known because over the years. now they feel like they're part of the community too. Correct, correct. So I think that's a very special part of our, our place. How do you transmit to your staff, the values and the vision that you have? What are some of the things that you can do to bring them along? I, well, I think part of it as, as an owner is to treat them the same way as I would be treating a guest and a sense that we're all family, we're, we're all together, and to uh, dignity and respect. I think it helps to pay well. Uh, I think uh, at times, uh, I think it's really important to defer to them to make executive decisions. I'll uh -huh. step in, but to really give them some ownership for it. Uh -huh. But it's the but you live in the real world too. It's not. It's, it sounds beautiful and, and ideal, idyllic, but it's the restaurant business. There's stress. There's tension. There've got to be moments when there's when there are issues, when there's conflict, when there's um, everyone's seen the bear. They know what a restaurant life can be. You know, uh, how do you navigate that? Well, I. Um, my patience for that is not great and so what happens is if i see there's a process going where people are not sorting things out and and uh, issues come up that interfere with the work that we're doing i always threaten them with a discussion with my wife oh and years <laughs> ago boss, and, and, <laughs> and what's really good and i think valuable for any business is that you have somebody yeah. in in management or ownership that takes mediation and so I think it's been valuable to uh, to have uh, that tool that that resource and it really has that's very good. interesting really interesting yeah. and do you have to deploy that every now and then is it um, frequent in, I, in, I would or say over the years maybe three times four times I may even ask my wife to I said I got. I, I'll, I'll share it with her something, and she'll even coach with me. It's nice, you know, to uh, you know to how to process. And I think the most important thing is that 
uh, there's always two sides to the story. You know, if you think of a Yelp review, yeah. you know, some people can be punitive, but often when somebody gives you a poor review, there's something to it and you yeah. can't dismiss that. Yeah. You gotta listen to that and hold on to it and then work with that. And I think that's the same thing if there are issues that come up in the workplace. That's a really good analogy because I think, you know, when you read these Yelp reviews, you kind of get the feeling that somebody's saying, I just want to be heard. I just want my Yelp has given me a chance to be heard, right. and so they, you know, so and and they can get it, and they can go over over the top with it. But mm -hmm. that's what everybody wants, isn't mm -hmm. it? To be heard and to know. So to be able to work in a place where you feel at least safe and that you can be heard yes. is, is is valuable. Yeah. One of the I, I always, as I think of the Terzo Posto, there's a great book, Small Giants. Profile, they profiled 10 companies. There may have been a hundred, no, hundreds of companies, some small, some big. And they want to take a look at some of the common denominators that even though they could have all be so different, there were some common yeah. characteristics. And the first was the owners were all crazy in the sense of their passion. They truly loved and believed in what they were doing. It was part of them. Yes. Second part was a digression in discussion where it's okay to stay small. And for us, we're still, as they say in, in Italian, I would like to put it up on the door, Unica Sede, which means one seat, one location. For some people, it's great. They can do 20, they can do 30, they yeah. want to, that's, that's wonderful. But I always knew my character, one, one place. Uh -huh. Then it goes on to, you take care of your employees. And that has been uh, a golden rule. Always, you know, whether I ask families to bring their families in, the workers to bring their families in on Sundays to have lunch to treat them, if it's if it's the uh, and then the next thing, you take care of your distributors, and that includes the garbage men, the postmen. Every time somebody comes in, if it's cold, do they want some soup? Do they want pizza? Every this it, it it goes comes back yeah. to you what you give out, and the third you take care. The third was you take care of your distributors you create really wonderful working relationships. And the fourth is you take care of your community. And I think those are golden principles that I... Yeah. What's the name of that book again? It's called Small Giants. Small Giants. It's a wonderful it like, book. For those of you who are listening, write it down, Small Giants. Small Giants. Sounds like a great manual. I gotta, I'm writing it down myself as we speak. Yeah. Um, so what would you say, a book like that obviously has been part of your learning curve can you describe a little bit more of your learning curve from the early days of Spaca to where you are now, how you've grown your own journey of self-discovery, so to speak, through running this restaurant? Well, I, I think one of the first things that was really important was to put systems in place. And that wasn't, wasn't my idea, but the idea that anything, everything that somebody else could do, let them do. So as I mentioned the word visionary, but the one who's really looking at the bigger picture. Uh -huh. So I think that was really important. I think it's important to know who were the people on your staff where it's worth your money to pay overtime. You know, there's some people, their shelf life is 30 day, you know, 30 yeah. hours a week and yeah. somebody else's for 60 hours yeah. a week. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really important to understand the, you know, the, the, you know, the the assets of your employees and how you develop them. I think it's really important to figure out how you can help people move to another level in the restaurant, another level in responsibility. Some people say um, they're happy where they are. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, they're happy. So to really look at the uh, the innate 
qualities that you don't see in the beginning and to support those and to develop those. Um, I, I think it's Some really- Some people a, thrive on more, on more responsibility, but not everybody can take it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, I, you know, I think really the idea of, of once I had systems in place, then to pay attention to home is really important. Uh, right now we're basically in 20 years and my wife, we're, we're um, 12 years shy of 80. And when I say to my, a few times when I've said out loud, I think I want to go till I'm 75. I, I may still, but I, each year I'm going to take less time off because I realize that it's not fair to Ginny, my wife, yeah. that she waits another five years. So I think one of the hardest things for all of us is to figure out the, the balance between our personal lives, our health, and our work. That is biggie. As we get older, I'm a few years older than you, I know the same challenges that I'm facing. Uh, but why, why did you choose to say you're 12, you're shy of 80. Why? What is it about 80, that number? Was that at one time the number that you were thinking you would have to work till? No, it just, I'm just amazed that I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer, getting closer to, to it. I'm just getting closer to I, I that age. It doesn't compute really. And I, I mean, I really enjoy, I mean, this is a wonderful part of my life. I I truly don't even celebrate my my birthday. I was very happy that day yeah. to, to spend the day at the, at the restaurant all yeah. day and to be with my staff. My wife and daughter went to a dance concert. I said I really didn't have interest, uh -huh. and that most likely I'd see them next morning when I woke up. But I just wanted to go home. I wanted to work, and then go home and go to bed. And that I was, because every day feels like a birthday, uh -huh. you know. So yeah, yeah. When the work, when your work it doesn't feel like work, then you can go a long way. And then that's one of the hard things when we, as we get closer to facing retirement, is choosing. I still love what I'm doing. I still can do it physically. I'm still able to do it. Uh, but then you have, to, like you said, then you've got other people to think about. Right. So while it's working, maybe working for you, is it working for your family? Correct. And that's that's the challenge. I think uh, some people who are listening are closer to our age. Other people who are listening are still in the early stages of their careers, and 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 all these are phases that we go through in our in our journey. But I think, but I think for the 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 the, the young people in the industry, I just heard it from somebody who's now uh, really growing very quickly in the first two or three years. And he even mentioned how he needs to figure out home. Yeah. And I th it's, it's, it's vital. And in some ways, I, Ginny and I have been together almost 50 years. And I, one problem I think I, uh, I created was that the relationship could wait. And it shouldn't ever have to wait. So even in the beginning to try to figure out that that balance. It's interesting, yeah, you're not the first person who's come on the, this this show to, and mentioned something like that work-life balance and also, you know, making sure you take care of your family. Yes. And, and, uh, and yet, at the same time, the pressure of creating and growing a business is all-consuming. Correct. There was, um, I'm, I'm, I just read of, of, it was a beautiful quote, there was uh, somebody who had worked under the Clinton administration, Obama, there was a, a, a turbulence, the plane, something happened, and she she died. And her adult son was uh, presenting the eulogy, sorry, presenting. And it was really beautiful. And he said, don't treat each, each day as if it's your last, but treat each, each day as to you know, think of the one you love, and it's their last. 
and not to forget that. And wow. I just really wow, wow, wow. took that to heart. It really is yeah. quite beautiful, yeah. I think. Well, it sounds like it's made, definitely made an impact you know, on you. So now as you're you're getting, you're, you're less than 12 years away from 80, you're now you're 12 years in one day, less you know, close to 80. Uh, uh, you see uh, it's changing. You, you're looking still at 75 as maybe when you need to like really be free and clear I, you know, of all we, this. We've, we've spent, a, I talked to John Arena, I talked to, to Fred, the importer of our flour. Fred Mortati, uh, yes. It's Fred Mortati, even with Tony Gemiani. I yeah. spent, a, I came, I was in San Francisco for four days before coming in, so and I visited with him uh, at, as bakery, spent an hour together, and we talked about exit strategies. And, uh, you know, Fred will say, you got to get, you have to have bigger numbers. And I, it may be, you know, Art, luckily that we own the building and I have no partners. I've been, I've had more leeway with my business model that I really look at slow food, that there's, a, there's actually a fair value for the customer as well. So whether it's wine, the cheese, the prosciutto, the cost of our pizzas, I'm still at $18 for a margarita. I can't do the 26, I can't do the 22. And I believe in the, uh, you know, the, the fair value yeah. of it. So it could be that somebody knows we're good and can the, somebody who wanted to buy the restaurant would come in. Uh, but I, I think what we probably will do for the, at least the next five years um, will be for me to continue to honor uh, my wish to have more time with Ginny at home, that uh -huh. we spend more time traveling, yeah. but to make less money in the sense that I give more to my staff. Uh -huh. Everybody's been with me since the beginning, so I think if I continue, because we make good money, so if I can share more and really have them feel comfortable and that they're, that I'm investing in, in them, that that may be the way that I go for right now. I do have fears of their, the employee buyout programs, yeah. and I'm just not confident in that. You gotta have the right person yeah. within the, Correct. the, the company who, who's Correct. ready to take on that, Correct. take on what you took on, right. essentially. Right, and I they think also my, you. Jenny also sees that I, I love what I do. I, I love going in the morning. I love smelling the, the, the first uh, stack of uh, dough trays, and the first thing I do is it never ceases to make me smile in my heart is to lift the the top lid and the the smell yeah. of the fermentation <laughs> oh, yeah. and i just no, i just have this smile yeah and i just love walking around the restaurant as the captain of the ship or the pilot of plane and i just i so she realizes that part it still brings you joy i'm not ready to yeah. let go yeah. of so we i think we, if i can honor more time with her then I think I can run for a while longer. Yeah, and then and, and time will reveal new right new. I actually levels. thought it could be interesting as a test to actually go away cold turkey for six months, not this year, but as maybe I'm getting closer to trying to figure out which way to go, and to even see how they do and how if they if they like, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's something that feels right to them as well. That's interesting. Well, I know when I opened my bakery many, many years ago and I got in, not no, not having much business background of running a business, I, I, I talked to a consultant to, just for advice and I said, you know, what do I what do I need to know in order to go forward? And he said, well, what's your exit strategy? 
And I said, I just opened. What, what, what do you mean? You don't open a business without first having an exit strategy. That's got to be part of your business plan, Correct. is what he said. That was a professional's advice. And I didn't, you know, I, I kind of chewed on that for a long time. And I realized that it does help you to have one, even though it could change. You don't have to feel like it's your only, but you, you need to kind of go in knowing how you're going to get out, too. Sure, sure. And, uh, and, um, uh, it, it actually was very helpful advice when he when he said that because it gave me a new focus a new way to plan for you know, the future. Well, you know, one of the things, that, one of the wonderful things of our community, this pizza community, is especially as you go along and you develop relationships. There are so many people at different stages of their careers, and there are so many people who are approachable to to ask what they think you know whether yes. for themselves and say this is what i'm thinking and they can bounce back some ideas so i'm doing a lot of that that's right now. exactly because this room is filled with people who are mentors for everybody else you're also a mentor now to quite a number of i'm sure you're getting approached by people who are saying how did you do it what 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 can i, I want to suck the knowledge out yeah. of you i want to learn know and, what you know and I'm, I'm really open to that because people were so open to me and in and, and naples uh, as well and I think part of that is when people see you coming back and coming back and that you're, you're, you're serious about the game, that people are, are willing to share. Yeah. Well, I know that you're a, a well-loved person here in, 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 the, in the pizza, the large pizza community, the tribe, I call it, of sure. pizza freaks. And, uh, and I have friends in Chicago who are in love with Spockanopoly, who are part of the Spockanopoly community. And uh, so you're doing something right. And I think what, and hearing you talk about it, uh, the the transmission of what you absorbed over there from the the people that kind of prepared you to take this on, sure. Uh, and and the spirit of Italy, so to speak, sure. and, uh, is now what you are trying to yeah. share back into the world. And one, maybe one last thing is just that everybody loves a story, and so and so. Luckily, I do have lots of stories yeah. from all the different people I've met over the years. And all the all the wonderful products, and I, you know, the Conchata Romano, the you know the oldest cheese produced in Western Europe, predates the Romans, the Saniti, and that's something that we have. And I love sharing that story. Can you? Well, can you? Uh, do you have a story for us? We can go out on uh, today. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot here because I, I didn't I didn't tell you I was going to ask this question because I just thought of it. But you, but you're right. People want to hear stories of because the stories tell more than just a story. They. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a story uh, about Antimo Caputo. The, 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 the godfather of, of the Caputo, Caputo yeah. in Naples. And there are other great mills. Yes. And, and there are truly other great mills. And they all have something special. And, and part of it is the relationships that you have. For example, when I have a dope question, I'll send Mauro Caputo. Uh, I'll send Mauro uh, a text or a WhatsApp message. I'm sending you an email. And he says, Bobo, okay. And then whatever the questions are that I may have, he'll, he'll digest it and maybe a few days later. So, and many of the knows how, uh, the, uh, the pizza makers have that, I trust we have that same opportunity. Mine is with Mauro. Uh, the story that would be fun is, so sure enough, the idea for- Is, is the Mauro, Mauro Caputo. Is he the brother of Antimo? Uh, uh, Mauro is actually Antimo's Cousin. Cousin. There's Carmine and, and Eugenio. Carmine, maybe he's the capo di two, the, the head of everybody, and Sergio is the master technician. 
the master miller, uh, uh, Mauro, was, is, is really amazing. Is, is also, um, I think, at the same level. When Mauro went to a special bread program or baking program in Switzerland, 20 students, only six passed, and Mauro was asked to remain and teach. Wow. So he's got wow. good bones. Yeah. So I and I really take advantage of visiting with him at the mill and having conversations with questions. Uh, the, my story would be so. Sure enough, it's 2004. I or I I uh, been in Naples. Um, a few months later, I'm back to study with Enzo Coccia because when I went to Naples, I knew this is what I want to do. Similar to Joe Fugete, when uh, when who was working for Starbucks, very big international position. Uh -huh. And he was at a point of change in his life, went to Naples and he saw the joy in the community and something special. And so I think we're very similar that late in life, I just started at 50 yes. and he also later. So the 2004 was the beginning of my 10 month run over 18 months in Naples. Yes. And that I saw everywhere in the beginning, there was a little bit of San Felice, but it was basically in all the pizzerias, Caputo Red, Caputo Blue. Uh -huh. uh, summer, uh, uh, winter months 50-50, the, the red stronger flower, winter months 60-40, or uh, summer months 60-40. It's hot in the humidity. Yeah. And so sure enough, I come back to Chicago and I am invested in learning about where I can get the Caputo company there did have it. They thought I was crazy. Who's this Jewish guy? And coming into Chicago making Neapolitan yeah. pizza. Yeah, wow. But you know, I just had this tunnel vision. This is what I was going to do. Yeah. So I'm back in Naples and I, I knock on the door of Molino Caputo and I meet Antimo and I say, I'm a straniero. I'm going to have my my Italian, uh, I said, I'm a straniero, a foreigner. I'm from Chicago, and I'm going to make a Neapolitan pizza for you. And he looks at me, and he said, I'd like to spend the day with you. Yeah. <laughs> and he's thinking, you know, in, in the mill. And yeah. so he's wondering, what can I do with this kid, with this young man? I said, he's going to be in the mill, he's going to hurt himself, and I'm going to have a problem. So he gives me, he assigns me to a group of, of men who were folding or, or stacking uh, boxes of the, of, the, of the flower bags or whatever it was. It's a menial task. Yeah. So he, he thought I was going to be there only for the hour, and then I was going to go, not even say goodbye. Yeah. And at the end, I stayed the whole day. It was his test. With these, with these guys. And at the end of the day, I... I I knocked on the office door and I went in I said, Antimo, thank you very much. And I forgot all about that, but Antimo reminded me of that story a little while ago. So this back. is Antimo, not Mauro, who do, gave you that assignment. No, that was Antimo. Antimo, yeah. Uh, and, and of course, Antimo was here at the show and, and we're going to hopefully have him on yes, in one of our podcasts. Great. Yeah, he was supposed to, uh, we were supposed to interview him yesterday and uh, my plane came in late and we had to, we lost those hours, so we're trying to get him back. But uh, so 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 basically now I see that you're wearing a, a Caputo shirt here. Are you a brand ambassador now for them? What are you doing here at I, the expo? I would say I would like to think I'm an ambassador for pizza. For pizza, yeah. In itself, my affiliation is and will always be with Caputo. I am part of that family. They treat me as as part of their family. Now I'll make one special mix with their cordicciale and smile and and I talk to people as they're coming by but 
you know, one of my struggles is you have so many, there's so many wonderful people in this community, whether they're making flour, they're making salumi, they're making oil, whether they're distributors, importers, and it's, and it's, and it's hard to sometimes, uh, it's, it's really hard to not get sucked into the politics of it and the conflicts that there can be. Yeah. And, and uh, one time uh, somebody was upset because I was friends with somebody and I said, I, and I, I sent a, a, a letter in Italian with the subject title, with the subject being in, antici in, in, in anticipo di excommunicazione, which means in anticipation of being excommunicated. Oh, yeah. And I just said, I said, when I was in my high school years, my folks separated, and I wasn't going to make two sides then, and I'm not going to do it now. I said, I'm always with you, I love you, I know you love me, but I am not going to stop being friends with other people yeah. of, of, who are of other paths. Right, right. So you took the, the diplomatic, uh, you know, middle ground there, but uh, but you have to. Sometimes yeah. you just have to, you know, or you have to choose. Yeah, but when I on Thursday, I'll be very careful. I will not have anything with Caputo. I won't even have my Napoli on Thursday jacket because what's going on on Thursday? Well, Thursday I'll do t uh, the last two. I think I do the best of the best. You mean uh, for you're, judging. you're a judge? Yeah. Okay, so you'll be judging. You know, and, and, so you won't and, wear your shirt because you don't want people to yeah, feel like you're. I don't you're, even uh, want no, yeah, somebody yeah. to say, "Oh, because you're Napoli." Yeah. Yeah. you going this way or because you're Caputo. You voted against yeah. me, yeah. So part of your work here at the Expo is to be a judge at the big pizza competition. It's one of my favorite things day. to do. Yeah, I know. And I've judged this in the past and I've heard yes. heard your comments are really, you know, insightful and, and you see things that other people don't see, you yes. know. So, yes. uh, so, of course, that's another reason why people like you so much. So, Jonathan Goldsmith, it's been so great, as always, talking with you. I always enjoy the, the times we get to hang out a little bit together and, uh, I hope I can get to Chicago more frequently so I can see you in your home court instead of you know, here at Expo. Actually, one of my favorite stories with you is being my date at when we went. To, I'm not sure if it was the Uni special, the film, a few years back, and we oh. went to a special screening. Yes, and yes. they had lots of like juju, ju, uh, fruits and and uh, all sorts of candies. Yeah, we were over in, in the old, old old Las Vegas. Yeah, and we and we sat together, and there was a wonderful picture of you. We're holding our boxes of candies. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, we were. It was a. It was all about the uh, uh, the the little oven, the new oven. That, right. Uh, I think it was first the presenting of Uni. I don't not remember. The, no, it wasn't Uni. It was the uh, it was the uh, Pizzaiolo oven uh -huh. from uh, Breville. The right. Breville. Correct. That was, and it was yes. a, it was it was a, a really cool film. Yeah. But, it, but they treated us the, it was like a sneak preview of this yes, film. Yes. Yes. And and uh, we were all yeah. sitting in the movie theater eating our eating our candy. So even though there were lots of people there, I was sitting next to you and we were talking a little bit. And I I thought it was really cool that my date was Peter Reinhardt. <laughs> So I thank you for that. <laughs> well, I thank you. It was a it was a great date. I enjoyed. We'll have to do it again. <laughs> Jonathan, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank all of you for listening uh, to Pizza Quest. Please come back for our next episode. And uh, and when you're in Chicago, Spock on Napoli, Napoli, Spock on Napoli on the north side. Uh, Jonathan Goldsmith, thanks. Peter, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Ciao for now. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Pizza Quest. A number of the conversations you will hear this season were recorded over a two-day period during the 2023 International Pizza Expo held in Las Vegas, Nevada. 
These recordings would not have been possible without the help of many people and our generous underwriters, but I'd like to take a moment now to especially thank some of the unsung heroes. My Pizza Quest partners, Jeff Michael and Brad English, our HRN recording producer, Liam Werner, as well as HRN's Matt Patterson and Joanna Garnett Ripold, and also Alexander Mortati of Orlando Foods, who organized and coordinated the schedules of many of our guests to get them to our recording table throughout the expo. Thank you to all of you. Pizza Quest is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.